Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray you're doing well. I always pray that. You say, what do you mean? What do you mean? How could we do well under these circumstances? Because we shouldn't be under the circumstances. We should rise above them. If we've been raised with Christ, we need to set our minds on things above. We are in um, unprecedented times, and they are growing more awful, more evil by the day. It is um, uh, bishops are, uh, governors are opening, um, uh, giving permission to open churches, and bishops are sending out instructions um, that uh, we can begin to go back to church uh, maybe next week, uh, maybe some now, but we need to keep certain measures such as um, social distance of six feet, uh, washing our hands frequently. Um, some are asking the, the people to wipe down the pews um, before and after. Um, but the the thing that is, uh, I don't I'm trying to think of the word for it, that is um, most, I'm just going to say it, shameful, um, and wrong is that some are forbidding communion on the tongue. There is an article um, just a couple of days ago that there is a cardinal who has written that he hopes um, that after this pandemic we will uh, abolish communion on the tongue altogether and always receive in the hand. It is, um, it's, it's unthinkable. And uh, if any bishop refuses communion on the tongue or any priest, um, how do I say this? You're going against the law of the church. Cardinal Seurat has come out, Bishop Snyder, um, Archbishop Vigano, uh, others who have clarified that no one, uh, no bishop, no priest, no one has a right to refuse communion on the tongue. They've even shown that it is uh, healthier, it is less dangerous for communion on the tongue than in the hand. And I read an article uh, this week that says that to only allowed to receive communion on the hand and the host is to be dropped into the hand, not placed into the hand. This is getting more evil every day. And if you if you um, follow certain news, uh, I don't remember where I saw this one, but um, some are uh, some priests are distributing communion per family with the family name in baggies. They've put God in a baggie. Another is distributing communion in matchboxes. This is the height of evil. It's the height of evil. It's loss of faith in the Holy Eucharist. You don't put God in a matchbox. You don't put God in a baggie. And you don't put him in people's hands. It's terrible. Um, I think if we had never degraded uh, to uh, putting communion, receiving communion in the hand, that such further atrocities would never even come to mind, even come to mind. If you go to a Latin parish, they're not going to do any such thing. Communion will be continued to be uh, given on the tongue. Uh, it's, it's just um, the degradation of Christianity. It's the loss of faith. Um, it's not for our benefit. It's not for our health. Uh, we are being... Um, We've lost faith in God. The Eucharist deserves reverence above all things, above our health, above all things. 
the Eucharist is God and what's being done with him to suit our supposed health needs. When I say supposed, meaning that we can't receive him on the tongue, which is wrong. Um, it's, it's just an abomination. And I, I tell you, um, I'm just ashamed. I'm personally ashamed at the, um, at the degradation of the faith that our Lord established, the church that he established throughout the world, that we are being so irreverent and forgetting who he is in order to keep ourselves safe. Um, and it's not the people who are doing it, it's the bishops and priests. It is, it's just heart-wrenching. It's heart-wrenching. So... Um, I don't know what else to say about that. We are in these times, and I will refuse, personally, I will refuse communion if it would only be served to me in the hand. I would not receive our Lord in the hand. I just can't imagine him being put in my hand. There's just no way I would do that. That means I would refuse the host. I would continue with spiritual communions. I would not partake of this debauchery and uh, irreverence for God, I would not. So, again, I know that when I say these things, um, oh dear, um, when I say these things, I realize that uh, I'm going to get feedback, um, sometimes from bishops and priests, and I detest that because I want to be an obedient daughter of the church. Uh, it, it makes me ill uh, to be corrected from by a bishop or a priest. Um, I'm grateful for it if I need to be corrected, but when it is something that is in line with our the degradation and loss of faith, um, it it's it just makes me ill. Um, again. Um, a comment from Hillary Clinton in the papers uh, within the week, uh, let's not waste this crisis, she said. And that's what the government is doing. Let's not, let, let's not waste this crisis. Let's use it, in other words, in, in the part of uh, at least one cardinal to stop communion on the tongue altogether, on the part of the um, government, um, to have a one-world government and to do away with the family. It's all been written. I'm not letting out any secrets. It's all on the web. It's all in the news. Uh, LifeSite News really is a... is LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross both, um, but particularly LifeSite News because they put out a... They're the number one pro-life website in the world um, um, because they put out full stories every single day and they have people all over the world looking into everything and they have more access that way because they're mobile. Um, and it, uh, I suggest you subscribe to LifeSite News. I do. And that you listen to the Station of the Cross every day. Um, I think it's going to be a mistake for us to be ignorant of what's going on in this time. Government is taking control that it does not have. It does not have it. And it will not have it if we don't give it to it. If I'm sitting on a park bench and I'm arrested, my goodness, what kind of thing is that? I'm fishing and I'm arrested, what kind of thing is that? I took my children to the playground and with a few other mothers and the police came and took a mother away and she had two small children on the playground and the other mother shouted to the police, she has children here, they could care less. Handcuffed her. It, it's, the world is not becoming orderly. It's becoming incredibly evil and the Constitution is being disrespected. It's being ignored and anybody, any policeman, any governor, anyone can simply make up their law on the spot because they're doing it. 
and the Constitution has nothing to do with it. If we go along with it, when we're able to, um, to refuse it, then we're giving them a power they don't have. So I didn't intend to say that, but things are getting worse by the day. They're not getting better. They're not getting better. When this coronavirus is over, please God, um, we are, the plan is for us to be simply controlled, however it happens, and babies murdered by the millions, and people that have handicaps put to death. Euthanasia is just growing by leaps and bounds. It's amazing. There are certain orders, I think, was it New York, uh, that gave orders to not resuscitate if someone's in the hospital and they stop breathing, they are not to be resuscitated. It's Canada has taken uh, all guns from people. It's, uh, it's just an amazing situation. So, beloved, um, I didn't intend to give you the news for the day, but I'm, I'm from my heart um, just warning you that our faith and the family is... Um, the destruction is happening overnight, and we need to be aware, and we not to, we need not to give in to that. So there's the music for our first break, beloved. Uh, we'll be right back after the break, and after the second break, you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart, toll free, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, and we'll be right back. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. This is Terry Barber from the Terry and Jesse Show. Every week we bring you the gospel with clarity and charity. We want you to know Jesus and his bride, the church. If you have any questions about the faith or what is happening in the church, be sure to tune in each week. We love it when you join the conversation at 888-526-2151. It's the Terry and Jesse Show, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Heard around the world on the iCatholic radio app. My name is Jesse Romero. I'm a retired Los Angeles cop. I'm a Catholic lay evangelist. You probably hear me Monday through Friday at the Terry and Jesse show. My new show on spiritual warfare is called Jesus 911. Every Saturday at noon, that's a soul patrol Catholic program where three cops on fire with our Catholic faith. You can hear this program around the world on the iCatholic radio app. Jesus 911, Saturdays at noon here on the Station of the Cross Radio Catholic Network. God bless you. Keep the faith. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, my beloved family. Um, I'm so glad to be with you. And um, again, with the second break, we'll have a whole half hour to ourselves, and I will take your calls and your um, texts and your emails. And um, uh, again, you're always welcome to call in ahead, and uh, we'll take the calls in the order they come in. And the toll-free number, one 511 5483 or email 
at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Let me just take the next 10 minutes and give us a little food from Theology for Beginners by Frank Sheed. I'll continue where we left off yesterday. This is such a wonderful book, and it's begun with the Spirit, the 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 knowledge of the Spirit. And uh, our subheading today is that the Spirit produces what matter, M-A-T-T-E-R, what matter cannot. Mind, M-I-N-D, we say, splits, and this is Frank Sheet I'm reading, mind, we say, splits the atom and calculates the light years. It is true that in both these operations, it uses the body. But observe that there is no question which is the user and which is the used. The mind uses the body, not asking the body's consent. The mind is the principle. The body is the instrument. Is the instrument essential? Must the mind use it to cope with matter? We have evidence in our own experience of mind affecting matter directly. We will to raise our arm, for example, and we raise it. The raising of the arm is a very complicated um, anatomical activity, but it is set in motion by a decision of the will. And as we shall see, the direct power, the human mind has over its own body, mightier spirits have over all matter. This mingling of spirit and matter in human actions arises from a fact which distinguishes man's spirit from all others. Ours is the only spirit which is also a soul. That is to say, the principle in a body. God is spirit, but has no body. The angels are spirits, but have no body. Only in man, spirit is united with a body, animates the body, makes it to be a living body. Every living body, vegetable, lower animal, human, has a life principle, a soul. And just as ours is the only spirit which is a soul, so ours is the only soul which is a spirit. Later, we shall be discussing the union of spirit and matter in man to see what light it sheds upon ourselves. But for the present, our interest is in spirit. We have seen that in us, spirit does a number of things. It knows and loves, and it animates a body. But what at the end of all this is spirit? We can get at it by looking into our own soul examining in particular one of the things it does. It produces ideas. I remember, says Frank Sheed, a dialogue one of our Catholic Evidence Guild speakers had with a materialist who asserted that his idea of justice was the result of a purely bodily activity produced by a man's material brain. <clears throat> the speaker said, How many inches long is it? And the questioner, don't be silly, ideas have no length. The speaker said, oh, how much does it weigh? The questioner said, what are you doing, trying to make a fool of me? And the speaker said, no, I'm taking you at your word. What color is it? What shape? See, it's not material. And the discussion at this point broke down. The materialist saying the Catholic was talking nonsense, <laughs> It is nonsense, of course, to speak of a thought having length or weight or color or shape. But the materialist had said that thought is material. And the speaker was simply asking what material attributes it had. In fact, it has none. And the materialist knew this perfectly well. Only he had not drawn the obvious conclusion. If we are continuously producing things which have no attribute of matter, there must be in us some element which is not matter to produce them. And this element we call spirit. Oddly enough, the materialist thinks of us as 
superstitious people who believe in a fantasy, excuse me a moment, who believe in a fantasy called spirit of himself as the plain, blunt man who asserts that ideas are produced by a bodily organ, the brain. That's really an amazing thing, isn't it? It's just amazing. I tell you, when I was in my 20s, I believed such foolishness. I didn't reason it out to say that thoughts were produced by a material brain, but that was that was the logical conclusion if I wasn't sure we had a soul or a spirit. It, it's an amazing now through faith that your life has been transformed, yours and mine, uh, through faith that we can think of what we used to think and what you used to believe, what we used to not believe. It's amazing to me. I, I just don't get over it. And my heart does not lose its gratitude because of that. <clears throat> I'm grateful always. Let's see now. Um, what he is asserting, this is the man with, who doesn't believe we have a spirit. What he is asserting is that matter produces offspring which have not one single attribute in common with it. And what could be more fantastic than that? We are the plain, blunt men, and we should insist on it. Occasionally, a materialist will argue that there are changes in the brain when we think, grooves or electrical discharges or whatnot. But these only accompany the thought. They are not the thought. When we think of justice, for instance, we are not thinking of grooves in the brain. Most of us are not even aware of them. Justice has a meaning, and it does not mean grooves. When I say that mercy is kinder than justice, I am not comparing mercy's grooves with the stricter grooves of justice. I know this sounds so foolish to us, right? But there are people who believe that. There are people who believe that, some faithful Catholics that I know who concluded recently there was no God. Then what? Then what? What, are we just made of material? Well, no, they'll say, we have a spirit. So well, where does that come from? Who made that? Our ideas are not material. They have no resemblance to our body. Their resemblance is to our spirit. They have no shape, no size, no color, no weight, no space. Neither has spirit whose offspring they are. But no one can call it nothing, for it produces thought. And thought is the most powerful thing in the world, unless love is, which spirit also produces. See, beloved, spirit is not material. Love is not material. And we'll go a little further here. I'll start a new section. Spirit is not in space. That's what we think about. Spirit is in space. No, 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 no. We have now come to the hardest part of our examination of spirit. It will have much sweat and strain in it for you and for me. But everything will be easier afterwards. We begin with a statement that sounds negative, but it isn't. Um, let me say this, this statement, and then we'll continue tomorrow. A spirit differs from a material thing by having no parts. Once we have mastered the meaning of this, we are close to our goal. Okay, it has no parts. God does not have parts. Um, okay, we have parts of our body, but not of our soul, not of our spirit. Um, there's the music for our second break, beloved. We will come back and take your calls and your emails and your texts toll-free. The number is 877-511-5483. You may text at that number or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. 
LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. And um, uh, every once in a while, we have to do a rerun when I cannot make the program. And I always miss you. We would had to do the rerun yesterday, and I'm so happy to be with you again today. Um, we have now this whole half hour all to ourselves with only one very short break in the middle. And so please feel free to call in with anything that's on your heart. It never has to be what we're speaking about, the heart of the matter. I always say this is the matter of your heart. And the toll-free number, one 511 5483 And uh, to email, it's mother at the <clears throat> We have a call on the line from Micheline, uh, or is it Mickey? Hi, Mickey, from Phoenix. Hi, it's Mikey. It's Mikey from Phoenix. Hi, Mother. We've talked hi. a few times. Oh, <laughs> hi, Mikey. How are you doing? Hi. I have a lot of questions. Well, it's supposed to be 106 to here today, so. Oh, help. <laughs> oh, wow. But at least it's not humid. It's dry, right? It's dry, yeah. You still you need to stay inside. Really I know. That's really hot. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, I was wondering if you could help me explain to a Protestant in words that they can understand, because I think we use words that they're like, well, you know, what does that mean? I know. Um, You're right. <laughs> so um, I understand that plenary indulgence is a remission of sin. Of, of uh, complete, um, complete. The, the remission of the temporal effects of our sin. Yes. Right, yes. because... But, but, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no. So what I don't understand is the merits of Jesus and Mary and the saints. That's how the church can, can give a plenary indulgence. I Correct. don't understand the concept of that. Okay, that's excellent. <clears throat> and let me just... Um, go a little beyond that uh, for many who don't understand this. Um, when we speak of, of uh, temporal sin, because it's, it's, a, it's almost repugnant to Protestants to hear that we expiate sins, that we can pay for them, that we can do anything to get rid of them, because they think it's an affront to our Lord. He said it was finished. He paid for all sin on the cross, and he did. Um, 
We could never do what Jesus did, and his sacrifice was complete. But here's an example I've often used, Micheline. Actually, I mean Mikey. It's okay. Mikey, you're Micheline, too. Um, And I put it together for myself uh, because I needed to understand this coming into the church. So I, I, I say, you've got a little son. He's seven years old. You've told him not to play in Mrs. Smith's backyard. And little Johnny... Um, has a friend one day and he knows that he's not supposed to go into Mrs. Smith's backyard but it's a lot bigger than his own backyard and it's got a fence and so he, Johnny and his friend go into Mrs. Smith's backyard and they play baseball and the ball goes through Mrs. Smith's window and he breaks it and because you've raised little Johnny right, little Johnny knocks on Mrs. Smith's door a little sheepishly, and he says, Mrs. Smith, I'm so sorry. We didn't mean to break your window. The ball went through it. We shouldn't have been playing in your backyard, and I'm so sorry. And Mrs. Smith is so impressed with your little son. She says, oh, Johnny, sweetheart, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Thank you for telling me. No problem. Okay, so little Johnny comes home, and he says, Mom, um... Uh, Mom, I, I wasn't supposed to be playing in Mrs. Smith's backyard, but I did, and me and, and Jerry went over there, and and uh, the ball went through her window, but I, I went and I apologized, and she said, it's okay, okay? And you're going to say, Johnny, I'm glad you apologized to Mrs. Smith, and I'm glad she said okay. But the pro- if you don't, Uh, help Johnny to understand that the window has to be replaced at his expense he caused it he is forgiven his sin before God and Mrs. Smith but he must repay that is make reparation for the temporal effects of his sin well what the temporal means now on earth and what's the effects of that a broken window and maybe other things that were affected by that broken window, that has to be replaced, and that costs money. So because he's forgiven, you can't say forget about it. You have to say, okay, you are forgiven. And now your penance, and the penance is not in order to be forgiven. It's because you're forgiven. Now to show your sincerity, you need to mow the lawn. You need to do this, do that, to earn the money to pay back Miss Smith for the window. All right. So that is the temporal effects, the eternal effects of our sin of separation from God. Jesus took care of that. We could do nothing about that. But um, but we take care of the temporal effects. The Just like Zacchaeus said, when God said, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree, and he was forgiven. Today I'm going to dine at your house. But Zacchaeus said, Lord, I will pay back fourfold everyone I've taken from as a tax collector, whatever, I will, I will go over and beyond because that was his, the sincerity of his repentance that he would undo the wrong on earth. So that is what penance is for, to make reparation. So now, let's say that Johnny not only uh, repays Mrs. Smith for the window, but his friend Jerry says to him, Jerry, I haven't told my mom or anyone, but last week uh, I did the same thing and my baseball went through our neighbor's yard and broke their window and I just ran. I didn't do anything. And so Johnny says, well, we'll repay both. I'll do double the work. I'll do double the work. I will repay the damage I've caused and I will repay the damage you've caused. Now, Johnny has made reparation double and there's merit there. So he's made reparation and then he has earned points, so to speak, that count and that we call merit, uh, graces that will fit another um, wrongdoing. And so... Um, how do I say, so uh, Johnny can get, let's say if he goes, if he goes and covers his indulgence and his uh, sin, the temporal effects and his friend Jerry's sin and all of that, he can get a plenary indulgence. The word plenary means full. And to indulge is to um, uh, give in to desires, to... um, 
what what's a good word for indulge um to yield to what we wish uh kind of pamper ourselves and an indulgence does that we deserve punishment and the indulgence gives us freedom it indulges us with grace so we don't have to pay it um because there's enough merit with all the saints, enough people that have uh, repaired enough windows, so to speak, as an illustration, uh, to cover other people's temporal effects. I used to make my brother's bed when we were kids. He could, he just never made his bed, or he made it poorly, and it was bunched up under. And I always used to make it. I loved him. I didn't want him to get caught, so I would always make it. And uh, this way, he wouldn't get caught. Well, that's kind of an indulgence that I earned for him, something like that. So I'm probably messing this up. Um, we must pay for our the temporal effects of our sin. And when we get a plenary indulgence, it has nothing to do with our forgiveness before God in heaven or hell. That uh, comes to us through the death of Christ on the cross and our reception of that forgiveness. But everything else we do, if we harm a neighbor, if we break something, if we uh, curse at someone, if we hurt their feelings, if we don't live up to responsibilities, omissions and commissions, all of that, there are penances attached to all that. And if we realize that and we pay those penances without anybody giving them to us, I've done things and maybe they're not I haven't given, has said them in confession. Maybe they're not really sin. I don't know. But I realize that I have to make additional sacrifices in my life. Maybe by um, um, sacrifices at meals, not salting my eggs. That's a sacrifice. And, and I could have it uh, say, Lord, I'm going to uh, und- let go of all condiments, all seasonings, everything for an entire month. And I want the sacrifice of that to go for the salvation of my friend. You see, God accepts every sacrifice we make. So, and it builds up. We have the, the treasury of merit is all that. Do you think that our blessed mother who never sinned, but her merit before God was infinite? And there's a whole treasury of the saints uh, so that... If, if we sin, uh, our saints can take that treasury and, and deduct some for us. You know, we can call on the saints for that. The, the second part of my question is, so the conditions, would you, could a Protestant say, well, that's like buying it if you have to go to com- mass and go to confession and say the rosary, or it's not met? When Protestants ask Jesus into their heart to be saved, are they buying salvation? I would ask them that. Have you asked Jesus into your heart? I certainly have, and I don't have to do anything else. Well, did you buy salvation when you asked Jesus into your heart? No, of course not. It's a gift. Well, it's a gift. Yes, you have not bought it. And the idea of of confession and going to mass and what else did you say all of those things are means of god's grace to us they're not penance we're not buying anything no one can buy salvation okay and i was wondering would you consider uh, when jesus told the good thief today you will see me in paradise would that be the first not plenary indulgence but would that be an example because he said, I will see you in heaven? Uh, No, it's not an example. The reason is that is because that thief um, came to faith in our Lord uh, just before he died. And so he had what the church calls the baptism of desire because he would have been a Catholic. So he died in the grace of God. There was no repentance needed. He was showered with the grace of God as a newborn baby. He was baptized, and there was no plenary indulgence needed. He was a pure baby, and he would go into heaven without any sin at all. The same way when we're baptized. If we're baptized from our mother's womb, this is wonderful. But if we're not baptized till we're 14 or 20 or whatever it is, at the moment of our baptism, we are completely cleansed of sin. 100% we are a new creation completely 
Now, if we die at that point, we are without sin. We go straight to heaven. If we uh, live a few years longer and we commit sins, that's what we go to confession for. And that's what involves uh, plenary uh, indulgence or partial indulgence or penance. It's the sins we have committed after baptism, because at baptism we are pure. Yes, okay. All right, thank you so much, Mother, and thank you for everything you do to help us teach. You're welcome, Mikey. And if you have a catechism, sweetheart, I suggest two things for you. If you have a catechism, look up sin, repentance, indulgence, all of that in the index and read it. And the other thing you can do that would be extremely helpful is go to catholic.com and type in plenary indulgence and you'll get an exp- uh, the best explanation you can get. All right, thank you. It was wonderful All right. talking to you. Thank you, dear okay. Mikey. God bless uh-huh. you. Uh-huh. Um, we have another call from Manuel. Manuel, there's the music for our break. So we will uh, take your call first as soon as we come back from the break. And there's still time if anyone else would like to call in toll-free, one 877 5115483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com we'll be right back The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. This is Rick Paolini and Father Jacek Mazur. Join us every Sunday morning. We'll be delving into the diary of St. Maria Faustina and discussing the topics important in your life. Whether you're wrestling with willpower or praying for patience, God uses the diary to speak to your struggles. So tune in for Divine Mercy in My Soul every Sunday morning at 11. And catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday evening at 8. Jesu ufam tobie. Jesus, I trust in you. The Catholic Current on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. He goes to St. Typical's and there's Father Cheerful in his polyester vestments and you've got a chorus of castrati-like singers warbling about Jesus as the butterfly who never dies. That's going to crush a young male spirit. Tune in weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross and iCatholic Radio for The Catholic Current, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Hold on. (coughs) Welcome back. To Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross. We have a good 10 minutes ahead, and the lines are wide open if you'd like to call in 1 877 511 5483. We have Manuel on the line. Hi, Manuel. Hi, Mother Miriam. Hi. Where are you from, Manuel? I am from Portugal, the archipelago of the Azores, Ooh. the island of St. Michael. And are you calling from Portugal? No, I'm calling from the Boston area. All right, all right. Well, your accent is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. What's your question, sweetheart? 
mother, I have something. It's an affirmation. It's something incredible that happened to me about Magigorgi. Okay. I have seen the bishop, Bishop Mark O'Connell, and I've written a, a letter to him. So what it is, I was born, I'm 60 years old. I was born in 1960. And I came to America in 1974. Two months before I felt, I felt ill with a very high fever and I went unconscious. And I had a message, a vision, and a revelation of the Blessed Holy Virgin Mary oh about Medjugorje. She appeared to me, and the incredible thing is that uh, she told me that the same message she gave me, she gave to the visionaries years after. And the incredible thing, there is a college professor from Florida that he went on a pilgrimage to Medjugorje in 2010. While there, he filmed with his BlackBerry phone at the apparition site. He, he, he filmed what was there. When he got back to uh, Florida, he noticed something else had appeared on his phone. What appeared on his phone is exactly what I saw when I was unconscious. Hmm. The same thing. She is whispering. It's, it's, it's uh, on YouTube, and it's the BlackBerry um, Medjugorje. The man explains, but he doesn't know the meaning. I understood the whisper. She is whispering in a video. I call, I call it heavenly imprint because it is not a video. It's the, the Blessed Holy Virgin Mary that appeared to me before she appeared to the visionaries in Medjugorje. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel that I, I write, I'm trying to write a book and I want to tell because I think it's very important. The message she gave me, she said in a whisper, It'll be the last time I appear on Earth this way, Medjugorje. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I there are many people who would like the Church to approve uh, Our Lady's apparitions at Medjugorje. Um, many people. I've been there myself. Uh, others have been there. Some of uh, there have been great conversions there. Um, it's it's normally uh, the fact that while an apparition is continuing, supposedly we can't know that we can't say for sure unless without the church approval. But uh, it, it's been said that when Our Lady stops appearing at Medjugorje, then uh, then the church can send in a team of scientists and all of that to to determine. So so it's been with other apparitions. Um, while they're happening, it's it's not easy for the church to to examine them. Although there is some examination while they're happening, of course. Um, so I think there are many thousands of people who believe. There are those who don't because bishops have told them not to because the Holy Father has not approved it. Um, and because they just don't believe. Um, I, I remember one time Father Groeschel, a very beautiful Franciscan friar who formed the Order of the Franciscans, um, fry, uh, uh, I forget their official name, but um, uh, and he died a few years ago on EWTN just about every day all over the world, a a beautiful soul. He said his own, and he's written books on apparitions and on private revelation. And his thought was that the apparitions at Medjugorje did indeed take place, but that they're not ongoing. So there's another issue to consider, whether they're still ongoing or not. Um, So... Why people believe is because many people, and I know who they are, I know many of them have had tremendous experiences, uh, supernatural, with Our Lady at Medjugorje. And um, one entire family that was converted, I, I uh, wife that was Protestant to a Catholic husband became Catholic, all kinds of things. So, blessed be God for the grace at Medjugorje. The approval of the church, though, still hasn't happened. And whether it's still continuing or not, I don't know. But our, uh, when the bishops say, don't go to Medjugorje, don't... Re-, it's not forbidden, but it's 
encouraged that we don't partake. So, but that's happened with St. Faustina, with Fatima, many visionaries, many people that God used were not, were not um, uh, believed. And years later, uh, the truth came out. So I, I think that's the way it is with Medjugorje. My mother. Uh, so there I was, unconscious, and all of a sudden, I, I, I see a white bliss, and I started seeing her. And she gave, she made an affirmation through me. And I cannot deny it, uh, because what I'm saying is, is absolutely true. I no, mean, I understand. I, and Manuel, I believe you. But a personal affirmation, personal revelation, cannot be approved for the whole church to believe. You know, and so it, it's, it, the church is... Um, uh, kind of a big boat and it moves slowly but it also wants to make sure that what it tells its people is believable is good for them and good for their souls and absolutely true so many people have had a lot of experiences but the church is not able to put the seal of approval on that as official until there can be some form of proof has has with the other apparitions and uh, uh, Lourdes and that's uh, correct Father. All of them. Yeah, I know. I, I know, uh, uh, Mother Mary, with all and with all my heart. She said to me, she she revealed Medjugorje to me before mm-hmm. it happened, and yeah. this is my passion, and this is what I I feel I feel so uh, passionate about to to, to to tell. I don't think she did that to you to be quiet. I think she gave that to you to tell the whole world. Now the whole world may not believe it. Um, uh, but uh, that that should never silence you, Manuel. I believe you. And um, uh, again, I cannot make a definitive statement on Medjugorje um, because it hasn't been approved from the church. Um, but uh, I believe the experience you had, and it's not for you to keep silent about it. And let, leave it up to God to whom he uh, spreads and affirms that message. Yeah, but uh, uh, there I was. Uh, she 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 appeared. She opened her mantle, united herself in the cross with light, numerous times, and then she began to whisper. Mm-hmm. And the whispering, I understood then. I don't understand it now. But when I, when I was unconscious, sick, but I understood what she said mm-hmm. with absolute certainty. Yeah. And uh, 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 one more thing, Mother. Uh, when I spoke to Bishop. O- O'Connell, he referred me to a van. This is another incredible thing. Uh, the, one of the six see- seers, which is his name is Ivan, yeah. lives about 20 minutes from me. And I went to the parish and I, I spoke to the secretary. I have his number and I want to talk to him and to the vicar of the Good. parish to tell him my Good. story. You should. I met Ivan when I was in Medjugorje. You should speak to him. Not a problem. All right, so know that Our Lady knows, God knows, you know, and nothing else has to happen. If God wants more to happen, he will make it happen. All right, my dear brother, there's our closing music. We must say goodbye. I love you for calling. God bless you, dear Manuel, and we'll speak with you all tomorrow. God bless you.